We in America are immigrants, or the children of immigrants. We are one people, but a people welded from many nations and races. They immigrated to America after surviving separate concentration camps in 1946. And my mom immigrated from Seoul, Korea in 1968. My parents and I traveled to the United States after the Vietnam War from a Thai refugee camp. My mom came here from Nicaragua in 1979, just before the revolution broke out. My dad is from Trinidad, and then my mom is from Guyana, and then moved here in their late 20s. The whole world has changed, and the church is asleep. This is Mission Shift, a podcast that shares ideas about reaching out to the immigrant cultures in America today. When most people think of missions, they immediately think of somewhere overseas. Yet missions today could mean the neighbor next door. Our conversation today is with Roland Wells, a historian, pastor, and communicator who has spent most of his life teaching people how the gospel can impact all people and cultures. Thanks for joining us today. Lots of stories in today's news, Roland, all about immigration, and there's a lot of confusion. People, you know, are drawing up lines on both sides of the issue, but you have a program. It's more than a program, isn't it, that helps churches understand the immigration issue. It's called Mission Shift. What exactly is it? Well, Mission Shift is a one-night-a-week class. Mission Shift Institute is a one-night-a-week class that originated here in Minneapolis and for the Twin Cities, and now we're starting to spread some branches around. There's one in St. Louis, and uh, we've had classes meeting in Kansas City, and they're starting to spread around as people understand what we're doing. It's an introductory class for um, to teaching Christians to build and lead cross-cultural ministries. So it's a, it's a class for Christians to help us to understand what other cultures are and then learn some very easy tools, simple tools, as to how to begin conversations and to begin to see what where God has prepared channels to reach out to each of these groups. So it's it's been effective. We've been we're 22 years into it. We've had over a thousand people go through our programs, and uh, every year we learn a little bit more. It's been a fun time. There is a distinction between an immigrant and a refugee, and I'm sure you unpack that in the class. But maybe we should just talk about it just briefly here. What is an immigrant and what is a refugee? Well, there are many subgroups of immigrant. When we talk about immigrants, there are a million people a year who become citizens of the United States. 50,000 of those win the lottery someplace. They go to their to the U.S. Embassy somewhere in the, in the world, and if uh, they file for one of the openings that comes from that country for that year, and if their name is drawn, then they, they are allowed to come here and have a green card and work, and then after five years they can become naturalized if they learn all the stuff. So that's 50,000 of the million. Uh, there are certainly uh, a large number of people that come here legally for employment. We look at all the engineers and the medical people and so forth forth that we uh, have coming out of India and China and stuff. There are people that come here as lower level workers as well. They come on special visas. There are so many kinds of visas to enter the country that they go around the alphabet twice. So there's A and there's B and there's C and then there's double A and double B and so forth. There are lots and lots of different types of visas for all kinds of people in all kinds of different situations, students and so on. So these folks come here for all kinds of different reasons. Some of the visas, the very highly skilled and so forth, can then move towards citizenship after a while. 
Now, there are also a group of people who are undocumented. They're illegal immigrants. And there are about a million of those a year is the number that we hear. But frankly, we don't really know. Then there's several different groups of those. One group of those are student visas, the people that overstay their student visas and just disappear. There are people who, are, who come and, as tourists. And the government, of course, when people apply for a visa to come in here, they have to prove that they can get back out and so on. But still, a number overstay these visas and just kind of blend in. And there are also the people that just come across the borders. Both borders, they come in all sorts of different ways. And and those people are undocumented as well. And the undocumented, we heard the number starting after the year 2000 of about 12 million, 12 million, 12 million, 12 million. No matter what happened in the country, 12 million, 12 million. And it took me over a decade to find out where, actively looking, where in the world did that number come from? Now everybody's saying 11 million. I haven't figured that one out. But the 12 million one uh, was from the 2000 census, and it was the number of people that our government knew had overstayed visas combined with the number of undocumented people who self-identified on the 2000 census. Now, that's the number of people, and that's the 12 million. Now, what percentage of people, when a government worker comes to the door, if they're here undocumentedly, <laughs> are going to be self-identifying? So that 12 million figure, I think, was quite low. And the 11 million today, I think, is another number pulled out of a hat. I think we're probably maybe a little bit higher than that. The thing is, the number has gone up and down. There were millions of Mexican people going home to Mexico after 2008. The numbers go up and down depending upon what's going on in our economy, what kind of work is needed, how much construction, so on. What you like to say and what Mission Shift actually teaches is that God is bringing these folks to our shores. And regardless of how many people obviously are here, they're here. And what do we do with them? So when we talk about these immigrants or refugees, our job as the church is to find ways to build bridges into their culture, into their lives, so that the gospel can be presented. So if I come to a mission shift class, what will I learn? What what are things that I would walk away with that could actually help what I do in my church or what I do in my personal life would be able to help bring reconciliation to some of these immigrant issues? Well, let's go back and unpack what you just said. First of all, we've got these people coming here. Now, we've had waves of immigration before, but we haven't had a wave like this in a in 100 years. And for all sorts of different reasons, our birth rate is low between the pill and abortion and so forth. Our growth of population does not meet the needs of, especially in certain job areas. It's not probably the case that immigrants are taking away a lot of jobs because the kind of jobs the immigrants are doing, a lot of other people don't want to do. Now, whether they're reducing or depressing salaries in in certain areas, that's something the economists can wrestle with. I just want to make one thing clear. Mission Shift is neither pro nor anti-immigration. We're neutral very consciously, but immigration is, it's going to happen. It's like air. People are moving from everywhere to every place else. You can be in any South American city, Central American city, any Mexican city, and you're going to see Chinese restaurants. (laughs) You're going to, you know, Chinese are everywhere, Americans are everywhere. Mexicans are everywhere. Africans are everywhere. So is it a God thing? Well, we as Christians, wherever our politics are, however we think this should be dealt with, 
God's word tells us, Paul is uh, in the book of Acts, Acts 17, is uh, doing his to an unknown God speech to the people of Athens, to the leaders in the Areopagus. And he says, uh, in part, he says, and that unknown God, verse 26, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. I'll say that again, that God has determined allotted periods and the boundaries of the dwelling places of all the peoples of the earth. Now, if that's the case, we've got to look at this far beyond and from a whole different angle than the politicians. Whatever the situation, whatever the laws, God is bringing the people of the nations to us. We can't avoid that. And these people are going to be, that are coming to us, are human beings made in the image of God that God loves, that Jesus came and died for. These are people who need to hear the gospel. One of the most fascinating things about the people coming to the Twin Cities, if we were to draw a box around the globe in the most difficult places to share the gospel and the places where there are the least believers, some call this the 1040 window. If we go across Africa, Europe, and Asia, and we draw a box, put a line at 10 degrees above the equator and another line at 40 degrees above the equator and go from the Atlantic Ocean all the way over to the far side of the Pacific Ocean. We have North Africa. We have um, all the way through the Mideast. We've got uh, South Asia. We've got that picks up most of China, Japan, Korea. That whole area is the least evangelized. And some of those countries, Muslim countries, it's impossible to get into. Neither you nor I could get into Somalia. Right. We'd last a, a very short amount of time. And there are many other places in the globe, Afghanistan and so forth. The people that are coming to the Twin Cities, there are several groups that we could not get into to evangelize. Tibet. We've got, we've got the second largest group of Tibetans in the United States here. And they're right here. And we bump into them in our hospitals. We bump into them at Walmart. And we bump into them at Home Depot and at Target. We bump into them as they're helping us park our cars and they're driving our taxi cabs. And we encounter these folks day by day. And we can build relationships. Too often we we turn a blind eye to those. It's almost like we ignore them. Yet the nature of the gospel is a reconciling message And that's what Mission Shift is. It's a reconciling message that tries to build bridges or build cross-cultural ministries so the blind eye is now open to those who are here. So what do you say to churches? What do you say to the pastors and the Christian leaders who are tuned in today? What would you say to them about this message that we're trying to communicate through Mission Shift? How important is it for today's church? The American church is probably in its weakest point since the late 1600s. As far as the influence and as the percentage of the the population, especially the younger population, that are actively involved in a Christian congregation, we're in deep, deep trouble. And most pastors are just barely trying to keep the, the doors open. They can't even get Sunday school teachers. And then we say, oh, by the way, we have in the Twin Cities, uh, well, John Mayer's figures say we're right around a million immigrants and their families in the Twin Cities. And we can't even keep our own, you know, our own churches open. And now you're telling me I need to reach out to these people? Yes, yes. And in fact, by equipping your people as individuals, as individuals to bring a few people around them, and for a few hours a week, kind of a hobby ministry, they can learn the tools so that they can start making friends, so they can start developing, looking at the needs God has prepared 
so that God has given an access point to these people. And it might be helping somebody learn how to drive. It might be helping someone uh, learn how to buy a chicken at Cub when they first have come. It might be teaching English classes. It might be teaching citizenship classes. Western Wisconsin, we have thousands and thousands of Latinos who are working on dairy farms in Wisconsin and Minnesota and rural churches. A couple times a year could run a class on teaching dairying terms, what these different terms are, and helping Latino people learn the practical English they need to work in these dairy farms. And you could build relationships, you could have some dinners, you could befriend these folks, and you could ultimately help them to get to know Jesus. Well, that's kind of the idea of becoming missionaries right here in our own backyard. And yet, what can we do as Christians then? Can we encourage people to take the class to talk about how we can build these types of awareness, because really it's about awareness first, right? And then you really teach some practical ways that the church can be a reconciling agent with these immigrant and refugees. If normal ministry, let's say it has two dimensions, all of a sudden when we start working cross-culturally, there's this whole third dimension of learning the other culture. And in order to develop intimacy and friendship, you have to learn the other person's culture, but you first have to learn what a culture is, and you have to learn some tools. I've served in the close into the uh, downtown area of Minneapolis, the Phillips neighborhood, for uh, 29 years. And I have seen hundreds and hundreds of people come in and try to do ministry in that neighborhood. And spirit-led, people called by God, but they failed. Why do they fail? Well, because they don't take the time to learn. They don't know what they don't know. And the problem is there's a lot to know before you start working cross-culturally. You don't need a PhD, but you can, uh, just one night a week, we think we can train you to be effective cross-culturally, to be able to learn another culture, to be able to build relationships, to get to know people. And this is what we spend the whole year doing and learning the challenges that uh, face people who are immigrants coming in here and understanding those challenges. You know, in the old days, we used to talk about foreign missions and home missions. Well, those two are kind of combined today, and they're here right in our backyard. So if a person wants to learn more, obviously they can go to the website, which we'll give that address in just a moment. But before they make a commitment to perhaps that year-long class, they could talk directly with you or invite you directly to their church Sunday school class and talk more in-depth. We have have people who can come out and uh, and lead Bible studies. We have a whole wonderful video series, which is available on Amazon, which is called the Mission Shift Video Series. And you can get that. It's uh, it's fairly inexpensive. We also have a couple of videos up on YouTube. If you look up Mission Shift, a couple of videos that can help to explain uh, the situation as to what's going on and peak interest. All those are good opportunities just to get some interest going in the congregation. But right now, what we need to do is take these religious consumers in the pew, and we need to equip them inexpensively, equip them painlessly and fun to just simply open up their eyes and see the people around them and open and discover that they have lips, these little rubbery things down here. Those, those guys right there, you can wiggle those and, and you can talk. And if you talk, you can make friends. 
but you have to open your eyes and you have to open your mouth and that's what it takes and so this is what we try to teach people are simple tools that they can become effective to create little tiny little tiny ministries that may be short term but it changes that person the pew who is there as a <laughs> as a consumer what am i getting out of this and so forth and it you know you don't really learn something until you teach it you don't really learn something until you put wheels on your faith and to help people in the midst of all the busyness of life, to be equipped to talk to the person in the next cubicle in their office, to talk to the person. These are all options, and we're surrounded by a a million people in the Twin Cities. John Mayer says that 90% have never heard the gospel. Well, I think that's very true. I mean, we've been talking in church terms of being a missionary, but really we're working around them, we're living around them, and we just have to be more open to who they are, where they come from, and how we can make an inroad into their lives for the gospel. Give us your website address so people can get a hold of you online. It's good old www.missionshift, all one word, missionshift.org. Okay, so the last word that you want to leave our audience today is what? It's God's greatest action in the 21st century. His greatest area of mission in the 21st century is to reach the great global cities of these huge multicultural populations. At the same time, the church is weak, and it's weak because we've had flabby Christianity. And what, what we see is that God is calling us right now to roll up our sleeves and to become evangelists, to become frontline missionaries, and he sent us all these people. A hundred years ago, can you imagine how hard it would have been to travel to Tibet? Uh, I've been in Tibet, and it's a lot easier to fly in there than it is to walk. We had a few thousand missionaries that went out in the 19th century to China and to India, and now these people are here, thousands and thousands right here. Somalis, you know, there's so many people from so many places, and each of them, we've got to study their culture. We've got to get to know their culture. We need to befriend them as people and learn, and then we introduce them to Jesus. And this is the task God has given us. This is the challenge. And Mission Shift helps us reawaken the vision and mission of really reaching out to people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastor yes. Rollin, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for joining us today for this podcast. If you liked what you heard, please join us again next time. You can go to our website at missionshift.org for more information. While you're online, you can sign up for the RSS feed that will deliver a link to your email inbox so you'll never miss an episode. That address again is missionshift.org.